Were there any days where you were saying, okay, I just can't do this anymore? No, not really. The job changes very quickly over a very short space of time. And I don't think that's possible working at a larger organization. So you really do get this variety in your job that changes so much every two to three months. What motivated you to, to leave the corporate life? I wanted to be a, a bigger part of a smaller machine. I wanted more control over my destiny and I wanted to do something different. You, you have to be stubbornly relentless on the vision, but you have to be flexible on the details. You have to know when to be which, because if you're not stubborn on the vision, then it'll be too easy to give up. But you need to know when to change gears quickly and, and go in a new direction. You need to really love what you do because this is going to take up a big part of your life. Today we will dive into the transformative journey of our special guest, a former banker turned urban farmer, Matthew Hoe. From trading desks to cultivating green vegetables, he is the man behind Growbricks, an urban farming company on the rise now making strides internationally. I met Matthew 15 months ago at the cusp of his entrepreneurial adventure. Today he is here to share his practical roadmap to success. In this chat, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of leaving a steady job, taking calculated risks and building something of your own. Tune in for a real talk and valuable insights about making a significant pivot and what it is to be an entrepreneur. Matthew, we met each other a year ago, right? Yes. For the first so. time. So what has changed? Growbricks has grown. Um, we're now a team of eight full time um, and our customer base has expanded here in Singapore. And we are we just launched in Malaysia. Uh, so we've got a number of farm installations going up in Malaysia next month. And we've incorporated in Australia and we're basically talking to people now about going to places like Dubai and India. So it's really about taking the momentum that we've built over the past year and a half in Singapore and um, uh, and starting to do that in new places. Wow, that's amazing. I'm so happy to see this development, really, because I think what you're doing is one of the uh, future of food, definitely, what everybody should have in their house. Amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we think that basically everybody should have a closer relationship with the source of their food. And, you know, we we see urban farming as something that everybody uh, that, that lives in cities should have some involvement with to, to, to nourish the mind, the body and the soul. And, and we're here to make that happen. That's what our movement is all about. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. So let's go back a little bit because this episode now is going to be about documenting your decision to leave and step-by-step step how you developed your business. Because many people who would listen potentially would want to do something uh, like this, leave their corporate life and uh, start their own business. And you're just going to give the blueprint, the blueprint that worked for you. What motivated you to, to leave the corporate life and dive into the unknown? Okay, so I suppose a bit of background. I spent 15 years working in banking uh, on a trading floor uh, as a trader in, in London and then a salesperson in Singapore. And whilst I enjoyed the experience and I met a lot of interesting people and it's certainly a lot of fun, that wasn't what I wanted for the second half of my career. Um, 
I wanted to be a, a, a bigger part of a smaller machine. Um, I wanted more control over my destiny. And I wanted to do something different and something that could could have more of an impact on, on people's lives. It's, it's quite difficult when you work in a large organization to actually have an impact. What was that moment when you were ready to do the step. You know how many people ask me, well, how did you know when is the moment? Can you describe this um, step by step? How can somebody recognize that the moment is right for them to take the step forward? For me, it was when uh, the fear of not knowing became greater than the fear of failure. I guess it's 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 about projecting forward 20 30 years and 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 then putting yourself in a position where you look back on your life and and you don't want to have any regrets you want to know that you tried everything and you explored explored yourself and and I don't want to be you know a, a, an older version of myself and and have regrets about not having tried and that fear of of being there and not and not knowing whether I could have made it was was a concern for me. And then you've got to look at the fear of failure, which I think has which I think has two components. One, I think the big one is financial. But the first thing you need to know is even if you are successful, your financial situation is going to change significantly. Uh, very unlikely that you are going to be on the same financial trajectory for the next three to five years that you are in your current corporate job so you need to take all that into consideration and that's that's all down to personal circumstances but i also think a big part of fearing failure actually is not so much about that but it's actually about worrying about what people think about you uh, i think when you have a, a, a you know a successful career in say for example corporate role you and you have a fancy business card and a nice big fat paycheck and you you start to you start to, um, shall we say, uh, identify yourself with this, with this role, and you think that I don't know. I think maybe you think that people, people have a respect for you because of this role uh, and this and this place you play in play in society. And you're worried about, well, if I go and do this and I fail, what what will other people think? What what will other people think of me? And I think as you start to get a bit older you start to care less about what other people think so that that becomes that becomes a lot easier and uh and actually well what i think now is that people don't care as much about what you're doing as you think they do it's really important to get the support of of maybe one or two people one of them is likely to be your partner or your spouse they have to be 100 behind you but then really I don't think anybody else really matters. No, nobody else really cares what you're doing. So, so, so don't, so don't don't let that be a big part of fearing failure. Um, so, in answer to your question, it's basically when when the fear of never knowing of, of of having regret when I'm older became greater than my fear of failure. My I started to care less about what people thought and uh, I, I started to care less about, shall we say, you know, how much money I actually needed to be happy going forwards. 
I think uh, as, as as you get a bit older, you, you're less interested in buying things and, and more interested in having uh, and making sure that your your time is you're, you're doing something which which is satisfying and, and fulfilling. I see. So let me just. Um go a little bit deeper on that people are always wanting more you know more let's climb the next and i have a bigger house and i have a better car and i have more clothes and i have this and that so did you reach that moment when you said well well no i don't want these things i know what enough for me is and that's what enough for me is and when you accepted it that was a um, a threshold yeah i think so i mean yeah, at some point I wasn't, I was no longer interested in having a fancier car or no longer interested in having a larger house or, or, or those things. I, I knew that, I, I suppose I, I started to realize that go forward 15 years, those things weren't going to make me satisfied or happy anymore. So how did you de-risk this decision? Every individual circumstance is different. It, it really helps, I think, if... Uh, if you're in a in a family with two incomes, that that, that plays a mm -hmm. big part in the decision. Obviously, if you have children, um, that also plays a big part in the decision because you're taking risks for the whole family. It's not just yourself. And then you need to mm -hmm. you need to figure out you know what your what your own personal financial runway is, and then and then work the calculations backwards. Give you give yourself three to four years and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've just got to do the sums uh, and then decide, figure out whether you need to adjust your lifestyle if necessary. So once you left and you started with the new company, what were the first things you did? Basically, this company was bootstrapped for a very long time. So uh, I, I started working on this just as a hobby uh, at the end of 2019. And it was just a hobby, hobby for an entire year. Uh, a lot of the product was developed in my spare bedroom through COVID um, using 3D printers. And and it was really only a year later that I decided that I made that, that decision that I spoke about earlier to go full time. So you can you can do an awful lot. And, and I really recommend that other people do this too. You know, do as much as you can with your evenings and your spare time. You really want to, you really want to be confident that yeah, as confident as possible that what you're going to do is 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 will succeed. So I encourage everyone to you know put in the hours uh, in the evenings and the weekend to really take things as far forward as you can. But it, you can only go so far um, working weekends and evenings. Uh, like for example, and you could probably go further uh, if you're in the software business. But you know we brought a physical product to market. And when you do that, you need to engage with suppliers and manufacturers. And if you want to develop those relationships and move things forwards, they're not going to meet with you on a Sunday afternoon or Wednesday at 9 p.m. So, <laughs> so you have to, it's at that point that you've got to, that you've then got to make the decision to, to go in all in 100%. And for me, the, the first it, it was actually very slow to start with because i had to i had to basically take the product from a prototype to market which was which was basically six months without a product 
designing, working with engineers, meeting them once or twice a week. And until I had that product, it was very hard to really test any of the hypotheses that I had. I mean, you're sure you can do some marketing, you can try and sell for, you know, do some pre-sales, but it's the first six months were, were, were actually, shall we say, quite lonely through COVID. And, and, and it was quite difficult, to be honest. It's, uh, it's, it's a big change. You invested your own money, right? Yeah, I invested my own money and I raised funding. That, that, that's another thing. Uh, no okay. one is going to invest in you. If you're doing, if if you're only committing part time, yeah, to to a project. So you invested money, you brought this project to a certain um, level and extent, and then you said, okay, I'm going to now, I would need funds or investors. So when was that moment, and how do you know you get to that? Oh, so basically, the money was needed to take the product from prototype to a uh, a manufactured product. So in order to do that, there's quite a large, unlike software, whereby you don't have this constraint. If you want to take a product from prototype to, uh, to market, you know, there is, you, you, need, you, you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest uh, in the manufacturing processes and, and equipment. I see. Okay. And how do you make the plan of how much you need? I, I knew had I knew I had a rough idea what it was going to cost, just from a product perspective, and then basically I, I I raised a bit more just to give me some runway for a year or so, and that was that. And yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't particularly easy to raise that money. So you know, if there was more money offered to me, then maybe I would have raised more and sold more of the company. But it just so happened that that's all I could raise at that time, so it had to be enough. Yeah. And were these angel investors or how did you go about this? It was basically just through connections. I'd say angel investors, yeah, probably more angel investors rather than friends and family. In fact, none of, none of my investors, maybe with the exception of one, uh, I had a, a previous relationship with. You got the investments. How did you go about finding your clients? and the sales process. Was it yourself only? Did you hire people? Can you just um, walk us through this, this period of time, this very important step? The product was always supposed to be a, uh, a B2C product for homes. The idea was that it would be this piece of furniture that people could buy and they could put it in their dining room or their kitchen and, and, and grow their own produce. And then we would provide a service that sort of assisted with that just to make sure that people keep going rather than give up after a few months, which is, which is what I saw was happening quite regularly. So before I had a product, before I had a finished manufactured um, product, I was, I was, I was opening up my house on a, on a Saturday morning and inviting people over and I was baking bread and making coffee and making pesto and just trying to hustle some business from, from people in the community close to where I lived. And I did this for a while. And then, and then a, a, a hotel that was close by was just reopening and they found out what I was doing. And this particular hotel was going to have a health and wellness angle to it. So they asked if I could come in and, and give similar talks. 
So I said, okay, I'll do it. But, you know, you're going to have to have my product in the hotel. Uh, I didn't think they would say yes, but they did. <laughs> and and then they said, oh, how much does it cost? And, and then I basically threw a number at them. I didn't think they would say yes either, uh, but they did. And then... And then I, uh, we installed there, and then after that, you know, the media launch for that hotel happened, and the local news company, Channel News Asia, were were coming to to feature the launch of the product. Uh, sorry, the launch of the hotel, uh, and and then they decided that they wanted it in their office too, and then somebody else, and it just kind of spread, uh, and then. And then quite quickly, the business quite pivoted away from being a B2C business to a B2B business. And then it was really just through word of mouth and posts on LinkedIn that that things grew. I, I think we were quite lucky in that this was the very end of 2021 and, and COVID was just coming to an end. And, and these companies were looking for interesting ways to get people back to the office after two years of work from home. And, you know, a lot of companies now have a sustainability agenda and food security is only becoming um, a more prominent issue on people's minds. Post COVID people want to be healthier physically and mentally. So it just so happened that we had this really interesting offering just by adjusting the product because it was designed to be modular and all of a sudden this this opportunity and this market opened up where you know tech companies and energy companies and newsrooms and property developers all like this idea of having shall we say a, an attractive wall farm in their office because because they're already having things like moss walls and shrub walls and and office greenery that's already a popular thing so it's really just a tweak on that to make it all edible to answer your question, we kind of accidentally fell upon our customers. <laughs> and then once we saw what what worked and what wanted, then we just doubled down, doubled down on that. And I, I guess, you know, by by showing customers, uh, you know, by delighting customers, they they then say nice things about you and, and word gets around pretty quickly, I, I suppose, you know, when when other when other, you know, when. It, it, more so now it's other people post, posting on, on LinkedIn about the experiences they have with us. And, that, and that's very powerful. It's much more powerful than us posting on LinkedIn. You said you were lucky, but luck is when you've worked very hard for something and you meet an opportunity, right? So don't, don't play down what you've done, right? You had a product for which you worked for months and months and months and invested money, etc. And this product was great. It was meeting customer de demand. Uh, it was solving an issue. And that's why you succeeded. It's not that if you didn't have that and you s saw an opportunity, nothing would have happened, right? Yeah, the opportunity yeah. wouldn't have presented itself if I wasn't inviting strangers into my house to, yeah. ma to, to eat my pesto on a Saturday morning. That's for sure. Exactly. That's an interesting start of a sales, not very usual one. You said that it was word of mouth, so brand advertising, ads, etc. That that was not crucial for you. We've only just this month started spending money on advertising. So, so our eighteen months after launch, we are now for the first time spending money on Google, on Instagram, um, 
just to see what it can do. Very good. No, absolutely. It, it just, um, we so much rely on social media and we think without social media, that's not possible. But you started with the old fashioned model of come and see, come to my house, try the product, etc. right? And then you added social media, your account, growing your account on LinkedIn, for instance. You didn't hire a company to do your marketing strategy, etc., etc. So what I'm saying is that pos- it is possible, right? You can do it organically yourself if you have a great product. If you have a great product and you're passionate about what you do. How did you determine um, how many people you need in the company, who to hire? How was this done? Well, I mean, people have just been added as 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 we've moved along uh there wasn't it was just me to start with and then when i got too busy uh i I was lucky that i had a friend that was looking for for a new opportunity so he joined me and then and then when we needed another another person and another person and i think from that perspective been very i've been very lucky to just stumble upon super passionate people which which will share you know the company vision uh, i think when you have a strong vision and mission and you're a mission-based company and you can articulate that that mission well i think it's it's easier it's not easy it's, it's easier to get dedicated committed people to 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 follow you uh, or maybe that's how it works at other places um but you, you're kind of you know you start with and you're doing it everything from sales to taking out the trash it's only when you sort of start to get to should we say seven or eight people that then you 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 start specializing in 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 certain fields but to begin with it's just all hands on deck doing whatever needs to be done Mm -hmm. and uh, often those jobs aren't fun is the grass greener on the other side as people say, oh, okay, I'm going to leave the corporate life and now everything will be absolutely great. What's your take on this? I wouldn't say it's greener. It's different. It's very different. So when you finish school you, 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 and, and you go into the workplace, everything changes. Okay. So you, you, you have to adapt to a new environment. All, all of a sudden, it's not just about a few assignments and some coursework. Um, uh, you, you have to show up and yeah, you've probably got a boss and you need to report into them, but you need to really understand the whole organization and how it all works if you're going to be successful. And some people are really good at this. Uh, I'm just not one of them. Um, but then, and, and you get paid, of course, which, which is nice. But, but when you make this transition to, to starting your own thing, the difference is about as big, maybe even larger than going from a student to being an employee. Being an entrepreneur is actually, I think, a lot closer to being a student than it is being an employee because there's no guarantee that you're going to get paid to begin with. And also, if you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, you don't have to. (laughs) No one is going to give you a hard time if you don't turn up at your desk at 9am. It's really for you and and you have to drive it all of you, all yourself it's really just about you and uh, and your product and your service and and getting that to connect with potential customers and so it's so it's very different that's what i'll say i wouldn't say it's greener or or or, or less green it's different and it's a 
it's about as different as going from a student to being an employee. What are the qualities that helped you get into the entrepreneurship? Can anyone become an entrepreneur? Firstly, you need to ask yourself why you want to, to be one. Um, definitely don't do it for money, because if you're just after the money, then much easier to just stay where you are. That's that's the wrong wrong reason to do it, for sure. Um, so if you're going to do it, do something that you're passionate about. If, if, if you don't like what you're doing, I, I don't think you can make it work. And then I think the thing which 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 isn't immediately obvious when you start is the importance of sales. So sales is really important when you start a business um, and sales can take many forms. Uh, so uh, it's not just about selling to customers. You need to you need to sell a future relationship with a supplier. You need to sell uh, a vision to potential employees. You need to sell a future return to investors. And of course, you need to sell your product or your service to customers. If you if you're not comfortable with selling or articulating what you do or your vision or your mission, and then I think it's going to be very difficult. So I guess in answer to your question, if you aren't comfortable with sales, then you need to find someone to join you pretty quickly. Yeah, having a product is one thing, but getting people to pay for it is much harder. You said that uh, you have been working late evenings and Saturdays and Sundays while this uh, company was a hobby. Let's talk about work life. And honestly, I this 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 phrase became so um, cliche: work life balance. I would rather say it in another way. So, how how do you make sure that you don't burn out? That you still have the you're not tired. You look after yourself well, but also work hard because working hard is what happens in when you want to succeed in anything, right? So how do you do that? How do you find the balance? I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'm there yet. So, but it, but it is difficult. Um, so the thing is, you need to be passionate about what you do. Uh, otherwise, I think the chances of success are quite low. But then, uh, and this is quite useful because it means that what you're doing is you know, your mind is constantly drawn to it, which is good from some some perspectives. It's also quite difficult in others because it's it's very hard for you to to switch off and compartmentalize and, as you say, look after yourself because it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. And burnout is something which does which does worry me so look it's i don't i don't have a good answer for you there because i haven't figured it out uh, but i am working on it i am working on it uh it's you know, little things like uh putting your phone in a box on a sunday and, and not looking at it making sure that you get that half an hour of exercise every day uh, making sure that you spend time with you know with your family and your friends and you just try and switch off that is a lot harder to do when you are running your own business than it is when you work uh as an employee and that's uh, that's quite hard to explain to someone until they start their own business i didn't 
I didn't realize somebody may have said, I, I probably would have heard it that you, that you work harder, but, but I don't think you realize how much more emotionally and, and mentally uh, invested you are in what you're doing when it's when it's a company that you start so that's something that you need to consider which is why you need to really love what you do because this is going to take up a big part of your life and and it's not going to be easy and 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 when things don't go well if you don't like what you're doing i don't i don't think you can make it work were there any days where you were saying okay i just can't do this anymore no not really. And you're still working hard and and you're enjoying it. Yeah, well, I think the the great thing about starting something and, 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 and getting it off the ground is that things move quite quickly. So the, the job that I was doing you know, every couple of months, when you start to bring on new people, the job changes very quickly over a very short space of time. And I don't think that's possible working at a larger organization. So you really do get this variety in your job that changes so much every two to three months. You know, my job is completely different to what it was three months ago, and it's completely different to what it was three months before that. And and I think that's that's one of the really attractive things about, about working for a smaller company, not, not necessarily about starting a company, but, you know, you can be like a, one of the very early join us to a company and you'd still get you'd still get this really varied very varied experiences that I, I just don't see how you'd get working at a larger company even if you're very successful yeah no two days are alike in other words right yes yeah no predictability or very very low predictability right of what tomorrow would could bring are there any things that you would have now that you're 18 months into the business, are there any things that you would have done better or differently? I, I think I probably would have started uh, more active marketing earlier. An, an earlier focus on marketing. I think maybe we left it a bit late. Paid marketing. Were there things that you absolutely did not anticipate and plan that really kind of surprised you. I never thought that the business would really be a B two B business. I I planned for this to be a a B two C business, and it was actually quite sobering to find out that it was a lot harder to sell this product to homes than I originally thought. I made a lot of assumptions and and preconceptions that everybody would want to grow vegetables in their home. Well, why not? Why, why wouldn't you want to grow vegetables in your home? But it turns out that there were lots of reasons why people didn't want to start doing this. Uh, so one thing that I didn't factor for is so in Singapore, lots of people live in apartments and they don't have additional rooms. And often the dining room and the kitchen and the living room are all in one place. So to have grow bricks in that place wasn't necessarily what people wanted because it might clash with their decor. It was very lucky, as I said, that this hotel reached out and and we could we could make that pivot away from consumers towards towards businesses. 
because I'm not sure where we'd be if we didn't make that pivot, to be honest. I'd probably still be sitting in my spare bedroom as a one-man band. <laughs> um, you have to be flexible on the details. So you can't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna play out the way that you thought it would. Uh, your, your initial idea, uh, it's very unlikely that the way you initially thought things would play out ends up being what works. You have to be stubbornly relentless on the vision, but you have to be flexible on the details. You have to know when to be which, because if you're not stubborn on the vision, then it'll be too easy to give up. And but you need to know when to when to change change gears quickly and and go in a new direction. This is something that people find difficult. They have this vision and they they want to do it, and then a slightest change, and they're not happy about it. And every time I interview people similar to you who have left corporate life and started their own businesses, they all say that you start with A and then then in the first year is D and then in the next year is like Z <laughs> of something totally different that you'd never thought about. But 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 this is what happened. This is what the market drove you to change what you're doing so you can meet whatever need is there. Anything for um, the end of the podcast? Any thought, any any advice? If you're going to do this, you, you, have, you have to do something that you're passionate about. If you don't like it, I, I don't think you can make it work. So don't do this. Don't do this just because you dislike your day job. Don't do this just because you think it's a way to earn money quickly or get rich quickly because it's not um do it because you want some satisfaction and meaning or you want more satisfaction or, or, or some meaning or to do something which is which is ultimately going to leave you fulfilled so that you know when you're older and you know you, all there is to do all day was watch netflix and play golf you you're happy with everything that you've accomplished and you don't have any regrets Great. That was a great ending. Thank you, Matthew. And um, I'm so happy that that things are working so well with you. Fingers crossed for all the expansion you're planning. Thanks for having me. This is all for today. Thank you for being with me till the end. And before you go, I have a huge favor to ask. Would you please subscribe or leave a message and send us any comments and recommendations? The more we hear from you, the better this podcast will be. Thank you for now and see you in the next episode.